Welcome in to TFW Live. It's the best kept secret in fantasy football where we keep that week one feeling going all year long. I'm Big Travi. I'm joined by one of my best friends in the world, Johnny Game Time Hicks. And of course, you, Whisper Nation. What's going up? Out, oh, voice break there. <laughs> Mike Albert. Uh, uh, we've got a bunch of you in here and, and a bunch of you coming in later. We appreciate you guys in here. And of course, Today, we are joined by a very special guest, John Daigle of 4 for 4 Football. You know him maybe formerly as Roto World. Now he's with 4 for 4 How are you, John? Thanks for coming on, man. Doing well, gentlemen. Hope everyone also is doing well. It is the offseason. Doesn't feel like we've had an offseason, really, because no. something, something happens every single day. But nonetheless, we are in that one-month lull time where it's the same content, us saying the same phrases and the same stats over and over again because NFL players are going away from OTAs by end of week, and nothing will be happening for at least a month. That's when we jam in our vacation. So overall, I am ready for this month of nothing and then to get right back into redraft season. Yeah, it's like a month of nothing, nothing like faux fantasy football, if mm -hmm. that even kind of makes sense. But it's still like there's so much. I mean, as you're tweeting out and doing all your stuff, it's kind of like that unpeeling of the onion uh, time of year. We're trying to look back at some of the things and like look at what happened last year to try and make sense of this year, of course, as well. But, John, we appreciate you coming on here. Obviously, the best ball DGens are out here, but we've been mock drafting like since March, you know, or February. We've been really kind of being the, the worst of the sickos out here too. So we're excited to get into this as is Whisper Nation. We've got a 12 team PPR Superflex redraft on Sleeper live here. But before we get into that action, we want to tell you guys a little bit something. We got a big announcement about Mock Draft Marathon. We're doing it in July, July 23rd. Yeah. We got a little promo video we're going to play really quick. Mock Draft Marathon. What is this? It's consecutive mock drafts for a total of 24 hours. Requires hours and even years of preparation. Which is a little bit controversial, but... Are you shitting me, Johnny? I didn't plan that, I swear. I can pretty much say 100%. Something that you really love to do. Let the games begin. Somebody came in and stole Johnny and they're hijacking his draft. Oh, he's gonna blame it on his 78-year-old neighbor. Damn it, you guys stuck in a super flex? I knew it. Ball is gonna taste different than this meatball. That's not that bad from a flex. Outliers decide fantasy games. Stand out above the crowd. About the same set of 200 players, and it never gets old. That's right. July 23rd to July 24th, we'll be mock drafting live for 24 hours on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe, youtube.com forward slash the fantasy whispers, and get in on the action. And we'll be getting all the best in the industry to join us as well again this year, fourth annual. We're pumped for that. Um, but we're pumped to mock right now. And like we said, we got John Daigle in here. We're going to start it up. We've uh, just really quick on the roster. It's a single cube or it's a super flex, uh, one QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, another flex, the super flex. And I think it's four bench players where, you know, we don't do the kicker of the defense here, John. So uh, if you got, if you're all good, we'll, we'll start it up. Let's do, let's go with it. All right. All right. Um, well, so I'm up early. Yeah, Johnny, you got that two I, spot. I forgot I, I forgot I had selected the two spot. We almost gave you a pick of the litter. I think I had picked the sixth spot. But, John, do you have a preference in kind of these, uh, you know, uh, an early preference for 2022, I guess? I still prefer to get Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor, but also that's too easy. So <laughs> since Sleeper allows us to pick, I always, I always pick the back just to practice from that range. I love that. Yeah. Especially in the superflex, it gets really interesting if you if you're not at the front of the draft and like you maybe miss out on the top 
quarterbacks. And and most times, like when I'm doing Superplex on FFPC this year, I will typically just see what the board does in front of me from the back. And I genuinely don't mind skipping quarterbacks for three to four rounds. Uh, but that also depends entirely. I'll turn off my notifications as well. Uh, that also depends entirely on what players are available there as well. Because if I feel like I can pick off the board at wide receiver and running back, on players that are that I believe are like in the top three at their position and elite, then I'll definitely do that rather than grab quarterbacks early. But also you got to make sure because there's a there's a quarterback avalanche at one point and you right. have to identify that mm-hmm. early. Otherwise, you will be stuck with like the worst you could possibly have at that position. Yeah, and it's not like you can write it like in best ball. I feel like I can I can write it off if I do like a three QB build or something. You know, you're like, oh, it's best ball. I'll figure it out. In these super flex, man, I just. I don't feel as good about it because um, obviously you're going to have to figure out when to start the two of the three. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel you. We've, we've seen that happen a lot in our, in our mocks with the super flex where that happens. I, I noticed you mentioned Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, you think based on kind of the injuries we saw last year in the first round and kind of the depth of wide receiver, maybe that's where the tear break is for you uh, in the first round, at least. Well, I don't know if that's the, that's the tier break for running backs for me, but wide receivers also, especially in PPR Superflex, I don't mind going there at all. Uh, you know, and PPR because everyone does like underdog best ball tournaments, everyone does FFPC best ball tournaments and drafters, and so not only do you need to be pragmatic, you need to most importantly remember the scoring format at these sites and mm-hmm. underdog is obviously half ppr in this case this is closer to ffpc not tied in premium but full ppr which is drafters and so if that's the case i am looking i am more acceptable i am more susceptible to drafting wide receivers for the ppr scoring and also i don't mind flexing wide receivers either if need be uh gosh and kyler's just sitting there too that's, that's <laughs> make Ky- make it making it difficult on you early yeah, it's 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 down to Kyler or to Stephon Diggs for me. Um, I am going to go ahead and go Kyler here. Um, but also, we have to remember that because the underdog drafting wide receiver early gets blown out of proportion far too often because running backs do historically – even in the last two years have higher ceilings than wide receivers. That's, Mm -hmm. that's misconceived by everyone all the time. The issue is running backs are also much more volatile. And so that's why everyone gets scared to chase them, but also, so like for top heavy tournaments, if we know, and we do know running backs have higher ceilings, then of course I don't mind because entering the best ball million, which is 416,000 entries, top heavy payout, right? 2 million to first 1 million to second, then you're basically burning money on entering that tournament anyways. So like you shouldn't be going for fifth place. You're going to win it all. You're going for 2 million. And so of course I'm just burning early entries on running backs, knowing they have more production than wide receivers. If we get them right, because you got to get them right. And you got to be perfect to win a format like that anyways. So I don't know why I would want a median top 10 team. Who cares about that? I'm trying to win it all, but running Mm. back, but wide receivers still high ceilings, but less volatile. Uh, much more easier pr- to predict and that's where i think everyone gets it wrong so depending on your format like for this for this 12 team league i'm definitely going wide receivers that's the much safer route and then we can plug and play running backs from there but for like big tournament top heavy payouts large fields like that i definitely just go running back early uh despite what the public tells me 
Yeah, and I think that makes sense. We've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. We had Pat Crane on last week, and we were talking to him a little bit about it. We've obviously seen the work that Hayden Winks has done, too, to kind of talk about, like, yeah, you can have a good team, but if you don't hit it in the playoffs, 15, 16, 17, it doesn't really matter. So you want to do that kind of thinking. Big brain, galaxy brain it. But also what you said there I think is important to talk about, too, because, yes, running back doesn't hit as much, but if you hit the right one – then that's the huge advantage you gain by getting the right one. So like if you get JT or CMC in their league breaking year, then that's going to put your lineup, you know, in the, in these tournament style, um, you know, like, as you said, uh, that further ahead, but I manage leagues, I guess you'd say we're targeting more wide receivers, but I think you can do both, right? Because that range of like, and we got a question for you on the dead zone, but that range between three through seven, let's say round three through seven on wide mm -hmm. receivers, there's just so many good wide receivers in there. So really you could go maybe wide receiver anchor, then hit a couple running backs and go back to wide receivers or wide receivers in that range too, and try and hit two running backs. What do you, what do you prefer team build wise? Uh, I mean, again, I'm pragmatic, so I'll let the board come to me. I see right. what everyone else does in every draft. Uh, if you, as I always say, like if you can remember and memorize lines from Anchorman, then you can remember six draft strategies. Like there are only four or five you need to worry about. So right. you should you should go into every draft knowing how to do so. Also, like to keep either tweets or uh, if you use flashcards, if you jot them down at your desk, whatever you do, but like remembering week 17 matchups as well, that's pretty simple, uh, especially when you get the muscle memory going and you you keep on drafting the same players over and over again, knowing right. they play each other. Because obviously, as, as much as we make fun of it, like week 17, drafting for week 17 is plus EV. Like that's what we're trying to do is it's saying that we're not going to get all these things right anyways. But imagine if we do get everything right and then we get to week 17, what if we put ourselves in position? So that's why, that's why we draft like that. But for, again, for 12-team leagues, I don't even really care about stacking so much. I'm not looking for that. I'm literally just letting the board come to me, and right. I'm just taking what I believe is ADP value uh, with a little bit of opinion here and there. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. We've got uh, Don Flick coming in here. <laughs> Don, he says, I don't know what I'm doing in this draft, but I'm having fun. That's another point. You know, we definitely want to have fun. He went Life. Cooper Cup, Kamara, and Mark Andrews. Uh, so we'll see if Kamara gets on the field. What's your what's your feeling on the Kamara situation? I keep hearing that it might get pushed back a year. So we might actually have him for this year, Daigle. So the issue is that I believe there are rumors that a tape has surfaced. Right. And as we know for the NFL, they have to have video proof because they're too dunce enough to like just assume that mm -hmm. assault is assault. They actually need the video proof every time. But I believe there is a, a video out there of Kamara punching someone while he's on the ground. And if that's the case, he's going to get suspended, I would imagine, four to six games. And as we remember last year, Mark Ingram averaged 17 and a half carries and six and a, no seven and a half targets as well as the lone workhorse running back and the two games he started for Alvin Kamara. So that's kind of been my last round pick in a lot of drafts, especially because I'm much higher on Jameis Winston in the passing offense than consensus has been. Johnny, you've been really in on Jameis Winston too uh, in the passing offense and thinking that basically by their actions, what they've done is shown us that maybe, yes, they were uh, run heavy last year, but I think they want to lean, you know, open it up a little bit more for Winston in this new regime. Let's hope. Uh, I would really like to see him kind of potentially get back to what we saw uh, kind of somewhat in Tampa Bay where he's kind of throwing it around, maybe not 30 picks, but you did like the 30 touchdowns that he was throwing. The interest, I love the the Ingram pick uh, or the Ingram call right now, especially because we don't know what's in the air for, for Alvin Kamara. Let me ask you, John, I, I, 
I hate to say this, but it it does need to be. I I don't know a, a for sure example, but do we have an example of uh, when a football player has hit another uh, male? I know it's been like a female. Obviously, a domestic abuse has gone its way in its direction. Like assault with assault on a civilian, non right, right. Because what I what was interesting is I I had watched some uh, YouTube video on on a lawyer just talking about the situation, and again, I'm not like any kind of specific advice here, but he was just he was just talking about how the chances of this being settled out of court, like it, it just seemed like that was more so what the um, motivation could be behind this whole, you know, stir up and everything. And if that happens, if Kamara just settles out outside of court, do you think there still will be like a four to six game suspension? Or do you think it'd be just like a two game suspension? Uh, it could be two game. I'm not that in tune with it. I just know the video is out there. So yeah. that's kind of the way I've been going. But again, with Mark Ingram being literally like undrafted, you're basically right. your last round pick. I don't mind still spending that because when we go for running backs in that range, anyhow, it usually does mean we're trying to get one, two useful games out of them. You just yeah. can't let them be a warm body because the guy in the 18th, 20th round, depending on what site you draft, you actually do need to use in best ball at some point. You can't just waste picks in best ball since the entire season to fill in for injuries. Love that. Jago, we got a question from Whisper Nation here. Scott says, okay, I'm in a slow draft, PPR, need a QB, and I'm up next. My receivers are Cooper, Scary Terry Hopkins, and Thielen. QBs left are Watson, Dak, Russ, and Brady. Give me the stud. Brady and Watson feel unsafe. Uh, Russ would be the answer for everyone. There, I, I know there were some early, and it's probably by everyone who was just tuning in, not like hardcore fans, but there were some early discouraging words from like the public about Russ because everyone's concerned like he was bad last year and he was bad last year in the second half of the season but remember from week 10 on when he returned from injury he played with mallet finger and but prior to that he was the only quarterback the four seasons prior to throw for at least 30 touchdowns in all four of those seasons would have mm -hmm. done it five consecutive seasons in a row the only quarterback to do so last year had he not come back and tried to play through that finger injury also he was He's led the league in rate of his throws thrown into the end zone on end zone, per, uh, end zone target percentage since 2018. Did not do that last year because, again, he was injured. Like, Russ is not only one of the best deep ball throwers in the league, he also knows where to throw the ball, which is great for us for fantasy production because he only throws it to the end zone. So, yeah, it, it's like all too simple just to get Russ. Uh, <laughs> I do believe in Dak because I think they had the largest overhaul of personnel. Like, I think they're just basically a, an average NFL team. Um, mm. Last year, remember, a league high and turnovers created as well, and that's the least sticky stat possible year to year. So they're also going to have to depend on keeping their foot on the gas more. The issue is that Dak has, like, in his career – uh, the past two seasons, at least, since they traded for Amari Cooper, has only averaged six and a half yards per attempt with Cooper or, or with in games without Cooper. Like he's been significantly worse without him. And so you would be you would be drafting Dak based solely on volume, hoping that they become a more a team that runs more plays per game since we don't think they can or will be as efficient. Having said that, though, I believe in everything from Broncos and Russ. So just grab Russ. Keep it easy. Now, quickly like on the on the Dak point to follow up, you don't may, maybe buy that he might run a little bit more closer to what he did early in his career, removed from the injury, and this schedule. Like last year, they were efficient, but like last year, they really didn't have to do much, right? Like they, mm -hmm. they got into a ton of blowouts. This year, their schedule kind of sets up where maybe they'll actually attack a little bit more because they'll be playing tougher competition. 
I I do believe that that he could go closer towards his career average. Uh, gosh, I'm just hold on. I'm just looking at these. Oh, sorry. I asked nice. right. You're good. You're good. Um, <laughs> it was a good pick. Yeah, like I I didn't I. So I'm just now getting into exploiting default ADP articles at 444. They'll be out at the end of the week and I haven't done sleeper yet. And so like, I'm okay. seeing what I think are mistakes and um, I haven't just scrolled down like Alan Robinson. Like I think Alan Robinson is a better draft pick than Judy, uh, mm -hmm. but I didn't see him on the board early enough. It's right. okay though. No big deal. Yeah. No big deal. We set you up to fail with double question, right? As no, you're picking. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm still just, I'm just uh, trying to beat you in this draft Eagle, with no money on the line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still just looking through all these guys. Uh, okay, we'll just. I, I love how you you talk about exploiting the different types of uh, you know leagues that you're in and the draft. Like you know, we're on Sleeper right now. Obviously, some leagues are on ESPN and mm -hmm. and Yahoo and whatnot. And and there is a huge like that is something that you definitely need to get familiarized with yourself if you're going into a draft. Is hey, where are the ADPs at for that specific league or or that uh, setting because they they can be way off and way different. You can take real big advantage of that uh, on, heading into your draft. An underdog like both Judy and Sutton probably would have been gone in the third round or in the fourth round. That's just how they're being drafted right now. Yeah. So it's just like and yeah, we have just, super flex kind of messing with the ADP too. That's true. Yeah. 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 So just kind of knowing the differences certainly helps. Well, yeah. And so I get that's that's the other thing I wanted to ask you. I guess we'll let you finish up the the first question though about the Cowboys. No, no, no. It's, to me, it's just pretty simple that he could he could. I just still think Russ is the better fantasy option with mm. the higher ceiling, because for the first time in his career, like we are not going to see Russ just bend the knee to a poor offense. Like right. Russ has elevated that offense single handedly um, and never said anything about it unless it's been the off season In season. He's never tried to change a single thing. Now he basically gets to run his own offense and it's going with like a group with a core of receivers that has been ready to go for two years now and just had zero quarterback play to believe in. So it's just like, it's just a situation that I don't think we can overthink at all. So we're seeing in this particular draft, obviously because of Superflex, but also just like in general, Daigle, we're we're seeing, at least in my opinion, a more rich RB dead zone. We got names like Fournette, Zeke, Connor, Cam Akers, Montgomery, some of these names that are in the dead zone this year. I don't know if I'm just like recency bias or if I'm just trying to get excited about fantasy, but it does feel like it's a more dense dead zone. Do you agree with that? And do you think that's just because of the influx of good running backs, or do you think it's going to be like dead zones undefeated and we're still going to get a ton of busts in that area? I expect Fournette and Connor in particular to get pushed up draft boards probably in the next month during this our dead zone in the fantasy space until right. <laughs> until training camps come back uh because they are workhorses like they should be pushed up everyone's scared of rashad white but if you read dane brugler like he even notes that white's weakness in college was pass pro and fournette like just to average last year 18 percent target share in his last five starts whenever he returned from injury uh basically overthrew ronald jones for every single down even had that four touchdown game against the colts and became literally the engine of their offense like there's no way they replaced leonard fournette who is better in all aspects of football than rashad white uh everyone also and this happens every year gets rookie fever and everyone gets infatuated with just the fact that 
every rookie right now at least has an infinite ceiling because we haven't seen them play. So no one believes that these guys can bust. Every receiver is going to be a Hall of Famer. And so that's when I think it's just best to take advantage of like these situations where we know one player was treated as a workhorse in these roles. And right now, like that is Fournette and Connor. They should be pushed up draft boards. They're not. So I'm, I end up drafting a lot of them right now. Uh, and the dead zone to me, like it does include those guys right now, but I don't think it will, like I said, in a month, but also like there will be a time when we do get to a true dead zone. And then it becomes like Antonio Gibson, JK Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, AJ Dillon. Like that to me is the actual dead zone that I, I get stuck and I don't want to draft those running backs unless I'm starting zero RB because the board dictated it. Hmm. We've got some, uh, talk about Sutton over Renfro Jersey Jay says which I think absolutely here Mike saying yes Sutton over Renfro uh, Renfro I believe still on the board here I think it, when we're looking at Sutton obviously Jerry Judy the off the field stuff should be cleared he did have the groin thing today should be fine by the time I would imagine but I just think he he fits better for what Russ wants to do Sutton over Judy in my opinion just as a deep ball boundary wide receiver plus we know you talk about Russ being just so good at the deep ball um, and, and very clear. I mean, I think both can thrive. Maybe Russ unlocks something with Judy. When we look at guys like Renfro or even Waddle, who Jersey Jay mentioned too, these are guys where situation has really changed for them uh, and not so much in a positive light. Like Renfro is going to get a guy that's a target, you know, monster in Devontae Adams. And a lot of what Renfro did last year was without Waller on the field. So you know, that just brings up another question, Daigle, like some of these teams, Miami, the Jets, but the Raiders, like, how do we feel these are going to look? Um, I was listening recently to football guys and Matt Waldman talking about sometimes it takes one to two years for the new offenses to actually really click into place. How do you feel about that Raiders offense and what they'll look like? And, and most mostly the pass catchers. I think they'll be just fine. Uh, Derek Carr last year. He's always been overrated in fantasy. Like everyone gets into arguments about if he's a good quarterback when that doesn't matter at all. Even when he was a good quarterback, he didn't matter for fantasy. He does not turn the ball over. He doesn't take sacks, but he's also never took chances. We need our quarterbacks to live on the edge and to be explosive, which Derek Carr hasn't been. But I will say before the bye, Basically, before they lost Henry Ruggs, he was throwing downfield more. He had the third highest downfield rate of 20-plus yard throws in the entire league, which was allowing him to average, uh, what was it? Was it 14 fantasy points? Hold on one second. I know I have it in here in front of me in my notes. Uh, it was, no, not he was the QB 11 with 19.5 fantasy points per game um, through week seven, through that time. And then when Henry Ruggs uh, went away forever, then in that case, that's when Derek Carr like didn't even throw downfield. And who can blame him? He was looking up at Brian Edwards and Zay Jones. No one's throwing downfield to those receivers. And so like we did see him live on the edge slightly more last year. I just don't know if that happens with players like Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Maybe it does, but also in betting on Hunter Renfro, you're betting like both of them, Adams and Renfro, succeed. And I don't know if it's that kind of offense, honestly, especially since Adams, since 2018, has soaked up 10.5 targets per game for his career with Aaron Rodgers. Like, we know Adams is still the alpha in that entire offense, let alone in the league. And so I don't get too excited about Hunter Renfro unless it's a situation where I, like, I'm hedging against Devontae Adams because someone has stacked the Raiders or something like that in my draft. Yeah, that one, makes – well, go ahead, Johnny. Well, the one thing uh, I, I do think uh, that you're you're spot on when, when you're saying – talking about like Derek Carr not taking a whole lot of chances. But the nice thing is when you talk about potentially him being able to take those chances this year, 
with a guy like Devontae Adams, who he's played for before. And like their big thing in college was, and and I've mentioned this to my, my guys here, uh, is kind of funny and a little chuckling, is that Devontae Adams has actually said that Derek Carr is thro- throws the best fade of any quarterback he's ever played with, and that included Aaron Rodgers. So it'll be interesting because he's never really had a true, other than Darren Waller, a true red zone threat. So it, it will be a real test to Derek Carr and see if he can make that big jump this year uh, and, and finally stay in that top 10. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Yeah, a lot of people do think he's a lot better in fantasy than he actually is. It's um, it, it's also funny because like, and you're not the only one. I do this too, but like we all, we are always saying like this big jump for Derek Carr. He's gonna be in his ninth year in the league. Like I don't know how much a quarterback really jumps or develops in their ninth year. It's like right. it reminds me of like Andy Dalton late in the Bengals years, where everyone was talking about this is the year. It's like he's in his eleventh year. Like there is no right. Right. getting better at this point. You don't learn a new talent in your eleventh year. That seems wild. Also on Cortland Sutton, uh, that's a player. I've definitely been taking advantage on because he only had one game inside the top 38 at his position with drew lock that they played together in nine career games. Like Cortland Sutton was a product of drew lock. Not basically shouldn't be allowed in the NFL, like a third string career football player. And yet he was a starter for the Broncos. Drew lock dragged Sutton down every chance he got. And now we finally get Sutton with a player who also, and Wilson loves to throw deep and is accurate deep. So mm-hmm. I think everyone's like doing far too much recency bias when assessing Cortland Sutton. Again, don't overthink it. Sutton's actually the better downfield profile, like a la T Higgins than Jerry Judy is as well. And so like, that's just a situation you take advantage of now and let everyone live in the past two years from lock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think Sutton is another guy. Speaking of rising up draft boards, I think he's a guy that's really going to like, especially as the drum beats get, you know, we we start hearing him more and more because he's really establishing rapport, you know, as much as you can in, in these OTAs. But that's been kind of the constant theme is that Sutton is there to do it. And Judy hasn't been because of some of the off the field stuff. He had the groin thing today. We'll see how serious that is. But it's just another notch in like Sutton getting more and more reps with our guy, Russ Wilson there too. Yeah, I think um, Sutton is is definitely a guy that's going to be very, very much talked about within the fantasy football community and Twitter this year uh, as we really start to heat up because I know last year it really started to spice up a little bit and they didn't have, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, like John was talking about, uh, to throw them, you know, those moon balls. So um, if you had to guess, though, if you had to just uh, say, I'm going to go with one guy over the other, Jerry Judy or Sutton on who has the better connection with, uh, with Russ. Who do, you, who do you think at the end of the year we're going to be talking about how we wanted that guy uh, over the other? It's sudden for me. Uh, it it's, okay. it's been sudden for me for a couple months. Yeah, ever since Underdog opened their um, drafts, I had been drafting, and then I realized that initially not anymore. Now they're basically back-to-back, but initially – basically three rounds separated Judy from Sutton. And I'm not sure why, like, I guess if I were a film grinder, Judy is the better route runner overall, but I even think Sutton has the better college profile coming out. Mm-hmm. And like, again, as a downfield player, you got three seconds. And, oh, is it me? Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> crap. You're good. Oh, that was my, that was my bad. I... It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I got Pratt Fryermuth. Great. That's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. top, top tight end last year. No, <laughs> no, no big deal. Um, 
It's well, we we look at like when I draft and mess up, which is all the time. As I tell the chat always, it's about big picture takeaways, not like the actual. <laughs> yeah. they, yeah, it's right. not the singular draft. Like everyone does drafts. Uh, it's no big deal. You're gonna see another one. Who cares? It is kind of nice because it all it'll make you to make a take maybe on that player that you wouldn't maybe not yeah. draft. Unfortunately, so. I don't think I have takes on Pat Fryerbooth. Uh, <laughs> I, I get your point though. But yeah. no, uh, uh, for our downfield receivers like Sutton, those players, those type of profile, the issue is we usually get too excited about them, a la Michael Gallup. Uh, or Kenny Galladay, whenever like they don't get volume, that's the issue because these are coin toss throws. Like they're never going to catch like 70% of throws, 20 plus yards downfield because those balls are significantly harder to catch at the NFL. They're covered by other men with children. Like it's a very <laughs> tough way to live on that. But if we now get these downfield receivers who are not only getting downfield of targets because those are explosive those are what we want in fantasy but they're also now all of a sudden getting them seven to ten times a game now we're talking volume as well and that's what's awesome and that's what i think sutton's going to be this year basically living downfield with a depth of target over 12 yards but also seeing over seven targets per game which is exactly the type of profile i want Oh, and then I did it to myself. Yeah, you. How'd you, you go? I went Mike Gusecki. Yeah, at least he got Mike Gusecki though. Like, I mean, I'm not really in on Gusecki. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's bad with the only thing happening. Like, the only thing we hear about Mike Gusecki right now is that his run blocking is explosive. You know, that's you know, <laughs> you know he's down bad in camp exactly. right now. Exactly. Well, that's the concern, and we can actually pivot this into a Miami take. But Daigle, you are on auto, so make sure you take that off before you wrap back around here um just from that last time so i wanted to ask you about miami uh just because last year if we looked at them they were obviously so pass heavy i think they kind of had to be based on what they had going on but this year with mike mcdaniel coming over uh you know such a run heavy scheme that he's coming from do you think it'll be more towards the run heavy i mean that's only what we have to go off of but this team it's such a dichotomy difference from year to year uh, I think it will be run heavy, but I don't necessarily think that's bad. Throwing underneath is basically what Tua has needed his entire career, and they've asked him to do far too much whenever he should just dump it off. And now when he dumps it off, he has three players in Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Raheem Mostert, who have all finished with a top five fastest play in the league over the last three years. Uh, all have reached 20 miles per hour in game at some point. And so that's what this offense is going to be, is literally just dumping it down and allowing explosiveness. Like Tyreek Kill is getting knocked, and initially, initially in the process, when trying to figure out this offense, I also wanted to be lower on him. But then you look up and you remember that he did still average. He was the wide receiver five in fantasy points per game from Alex Smith. And that's like a similar situation we're dealing with now. Right. And in fact, I believe Tua has a higher ceiling than Alex Smith because Alex Smith never threw deep anyhow, whereas Tua, I believe, can if he's kept up right for a significant amount of time. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I do actually want to believe in Tyreek Hill, even though it's a new offense and he's going to be 30 this year. I think it, I think we have to believe in Tyreek Hill still. Uh, well, I I mean, that stat that you point out was brilliant. I love that. But also, you know, you're you're looking at the offense that they're trying to bring over is going to be the San Francisco run zone offense. And like you talked about, that is one of the best ways. The, the main reason why coaching the coaching staff really like that is because of the misdirection, allowing your quarterback just a little bit more time and easier throws because of the misdirection and things like that. And so I do think with them being able to be, you know, all those guys are yak guys. So 
with them being a yak kind of system, I mm-hmm. do think Tyreek Hill is still someone that people are going to be happy when they draft him. And when he falls to them, uh, they will, they will be excited about getting him. I think it will generally come down to just nitpicking his ADP. And, and like, it, it is a fair question since he did hit career lows and yards per target yards per route run last year. And again, like I said, he's 30 uh, mm-hmm. with Alex Smith, at least he was 25 whenever he was doing that. So significantly more explosive. Um, but I still would like to bet on him one more time this year, since it is like the first time ever we can get a discount on him. Yeah, there's a there's a few players like that that I think are are interesting cases. Saquon, Zeke, you know, you're talking about these guys that I just I wonder. I mean, Zeke, I'm not really as 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 in on. I mean, last year I played in like nine leagues, and the five leagues I missed the playoffs in, I drafted Zeke in. So I'm kind of extra burned on Zeke, but the discount you can't deny. I think Saquon's a one that, you know, a couple freak injuries. Obviously, the offense is going to be, you know, we project to be bad, but Saquon is a guy I'm really in on this year, Dago. I don't know how you feel about him. I mean, that's just the biggest discount we've ever seen. Uh, well, on Zeke, at least you had those first five weeks when he was the RB5. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, yeah, he, right? he averaged over five yards per carry like he was super explosive. And remember, even one of those games was week one whenever the Cowboys led the league in pass play rate uh, with, from neutral game script because they played the Bucks And they went in with a concerted game plan that they clearly took like two months to build. And from that point forward, <laughs> that's when they became the run-heavy team again with Zeke getting all the touches. Um, and even through injury last year, Zeke still out carried Tony Pollard 22 to three inside the 10 yard line. Like they still never and will never go to Pollard. Pollard's a free agent at the end of the year. Like he does not matter. He's never mattered to the system. Despite the fact we all go on Twitter and yell, he's better because he is better. Right. But again, who cares what we think? It matters Jerry what doesn't care. Is he, is, he, <laughs> is he legit better? Or is it just that it's that whole, like you see, you see one player and he's running, you know, and it's pretty fast. And then we just see a guy who's just, he's more quick and more explosive and that just makes like, would he be believe- better with more carries like Zeke? Like, is yeah. it a, is it a, a volume uh, thing? No, it's, Oh, it's definitely a volume thing. It's that it's the fact that the Cowboys are tied to him. Um, remember like Tony Romo named his child, Jerry, um, after Jerry <laughs> Jones, like Jerry Jones builds friendships, not business relationships. Mm, That's yeah. why like Zeke will always be factored and probably get another extension over Pollard. They will never separate themselves from him. Right. Um, and it's not like just Jerry, like Dak and Zeke are best friends and like the, all these different relationships that are involved in that. The, yeah. The, the Cowboys will, will tell you their priority is winning. They don't care about winning. That's not what this organization does. They haven't been past the divisional round in 26 years. Do you think they really actually care about winning? <laughs> hey, no. If, like if you're doing, they're 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 doing, we had you on a loop yeah it was on a remix whenever the adapter goes out this is what happens my mic switches and all that whatever we're fine no but um but like they're doing fine right like they're the number one uh their number one most expensive franchise most value franchise on forbes like that's what they care about they don't care about wins so don't let anyone ever tell you so many times every single season like people in our industry will come out and give you like cowboys futures bets and i just laugh every time it's like yeah yeah, you've been wrong for 26 years why do you care about still betting cowboys futures like they gave up you give up too (laughs) 
I love just it. Go home. Just go. I'm home. always in for some. My, my partner, she's a Cowboys fan, so I'm always in for some Cowboys bashing. So, so I'll well, be able to. I just this love. Is, this I is love... someone from Dallas, obviously. My dumb accent. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I know how like the organization runs. It's well, like, that's it why I wanted matter. to be like. I wasn't sure if you're actually from there, but I wanted to be like. You got to trust a guy with that accent talking about the Cowboys. Yeah, right? it's the, the team don't doesn't matter. Like it's right. still amazing fans cheer for them. Hey, I, I love how um, on Hard Knocks last year, they just opened it with like Jerry crying and, and breaking down about how much he loved the Dallas Cowboys and how much he wanted to win. And I'm just like, dude, you're not faking out anybody. Like we all know that this is a cover up because you got you haven't won in a long time. You guys well, got this is the problem with the NFL is a lot of decision makers like they they tell you. Uh, I'm looking really quick. Um, they tell you they'll do anything to win, but what they really mean is that we'll do anything based on what I believe to win. Mm. Like their egos will never be kept in check. And those who do keep them in check are the ones who actually win. And that's why mm -hmm. like, it's not as um, like, there's not really as much of a competitive balance as you would believe maybe in the regular season, any given Sunday. Yes. In the playoffs, not really. Yeah, I mean, you can even look back to last year where it was like Amari Cooper was complaining about getting more targets, and then you could ar argue, I mean, Troy Aikman did, that that's why San Francisco beat the shit out of the Cowboys in the playoffs is because C.D. Lamb didn't – he didn't have a target till the second half or something like that, if I remember right. So it's like you can see this that, you know, they cater kind of to the ego a lot more, which is an interesting kind of bigger bigger brain take I've seen there. Uh, we're, we're wrapping it up here. I'm glad you didn't – I'm glad you took Pickett, Dave. Or oh, that was broke out. Never mind. Uh, yeah, mine auto picked. Well, yeah, I got auto picked on Pickett. I mean, I when I auto picked Jacecki, that kind of ruined everything because all the guys I wanted, either Daniel Jones, Jameis Winston, or Kadarius Tony, were all taken <laughs> right after that. So your whole pick, your whole my draft whole was just ruined for, by yeah, pretty much Mike Jacecki. Close. Yeah, and at this point, I missed the QB two avalanche, right? Like yeah. I, I was going for like Daniel Jones or Jameis Winston. I just kept on talking and got auto draft for a pick <laughs> or two, but like, I just wasn't, I missed it honestly. So that's why I just instead went trying to make sure I only flex like a reception individual, whether it be a receiving running back or wide receiver. Like that's kind of what I'm targeting now being <sighs> probably the only team with the uh, one quarterback. Yeah. Pizza belly just snipe my play. I wanted Rondale. I guess I could have given us a few more benches in this league, but uh, this is where we're at. So <laughs> that, draft went, that draft went by pretty quick, honestly. Yeah, we tried to do the 30-second uh, clock, but now I'm wishing we had a little bit longer for this one. But we'll uh, have everybody stick around. We'll, we'll grade some teams if we got some extra time here with, with you, Dave. Oh, where sure. did you go? Where did you go? Wandale. Did Where's you get Wandale? Him? No. no. Uh, I like the Kenny Gainwell uh, pick, though. I like Gainwell. I Wanted Wandale. Just as like a, a hedge on the on the Philly running game. John, um, what do you think? What do you think of uh real quick before we get into the great what do you think of Wandale uh yeah for the Giants? I know like obviously Giants overspend all of their wide receivers, uh, but Wandale, I'll tell you, that guy looks super electric. And it'll be interesting with this coaching staff and the way that they do like to get players open. What do what do you think about Wandale this year? I I don't know if I'm as high on his actual return on investment as everyone else, but I do believe he can be an explosive player. I just don't know how two or three wide receivers succeed in that offense. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm, I'm betting on a Giants bounce back. Like they have a favorable schedule. They have the right 
pieces in their front office and more their offensive line turned a corner immensely in one offseason. They got they have so much talent, even in free agency and getting Mark Glowinski, which uh, on the interior, which is honestly like one of the better values in all of free agency Huge. that they signed. Um, also remember that like Brian Dable last year, whenever the Bills were playing more two high safeties, and I'm making my long-winded point on Wendell Robinson, uh, whenever the Bills were pl- facing more two high safeties, that's why over the last six games, Josh Allen did average an increase seven and a half carries per game. But more importantly, 68% of his carries in that span over the last six games, playoffs included, were steamed. Like they were designed runs. They weren't just scrambles. Okay. Um, so that means that like they, uh, Brian Dable also knows, well, Daniel Jones is mobile. I can get him on the move. And that's going to give us a higher rushing floor and thus more value for fantasy for Daniel Jones and everyone around him. Because he has actually been a tremendous deep passer whenever he's been kept up right for his career. The issue is Gettleman never prioritized offensive line whatsoever. Mm. Um, He tried to in Andrew Thomas, but then Andrew Thomas proved interchangeable between left tackle and right tackle. And especially near one, never really put it together. And so overall, like I do think getting him on rollouts more, keeping him upright more is great for everyone involved. But if you told me to like bet on them, it's still for me going to be Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, and then Wandell in that order. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Dude, that was the most succinct New York Giants breakdown. I know you said it felt <laughs> long-winded, but that was pretty good. Thanks. Dave. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll get into some of these grades here. We'll start with Don Flick at the top here, and I'll ask you guys kind of what you think here. So he started off with Cooper Cup. The rest of his wide receivers, DK Metcalf, Michael Thomas, Christian Watson in the 10th, then rounded it out with Sky Moore in the 13th. At running back, he had Alvin Kamara in the second, Cam Akers in the fourth, Corderell Patterson in the eighth, Penny in the ninth, and then Isaiah Spiller in the 12th. Um, at tight end, Mark Andrews in the third, then David Njoku as his uh, dart throw in the 14th. QBs in this two QB or in this super flex league, he had Aaron Rodgers uh, in the sixth, and then Jameis Winston in the 11th. Daigle, how are we feeling about Don Flick's lineup here? I like it. I think it's very interesting, even in PPR, to go Cooper Cup first, first overall. Uh, Cooper Cup did have 13 wide receiver one games. He did finish with the second most fantasy points per game ever in, or in NFL history. But, like, also remember, these statistics also mean that he's likely to regress. Right. Uh, and, like, we are looking for the next Cooper Cup. And, and by the way, when I say regress, like, Cooper Cup's still going to be super safe. Like, he's still a top yeah. three option. But, like, if you're telling me to bank on the next Cooper Cup, I and it's not just because I took him. Like, I do believe Justin Jefferson is the wide receiver one this year, uh, yeah, es- yeah. especially in redraft purposes. Just the fact that in his career since week two, you can't count week one as rookie season because he wasn't in the starting lineup. Remember, they they started uh, Tasha Dude. Sharp over him, I believe. It was so wild. It yeah. made no sense. But 9.2 targets per game since week two of his rookie year, uh, the last two seasons. And now we get him in a non-Mike Zimmer offense for the first time in his career that we know they're going to be significantly more explosive. So overall, yeah, I, I think it's a much better situation to call Jefferson this year's cup as opposed to like banking on cup, sustaining that otherworldly production. Yeah, and it's like if you want to make the other argument, no, I think it's Chase. 
it's like, well, Jefferson has less target competition in my mind than Chase does with obviously T Higgins and, and some of the other things working there. And again, like you said, the addition of Kevin O'Connell to me means it's going to marry more of the Kirk Cousins sling it years like he had in Washington with that style of Shanahan offense. So uh, again, I, I'm with you on the Jefferson and I think Jefferson over cup and chase is, is, a, is a good call there. T Higgins, T Higgins was on Pat McAfee's show and, and did talk about how that is the expectation, uh, at least so far through OTAs and, and whatnot, that it will be more slinging the rock and things like that. Um, and yeah, other than that, though, like I think the team is fine. He obviously went with a later QB approach and waiting on Rodgers and Winston. And honestly, like that's probably best. Like if I'm nitpicking the players, I'm probably going someone else beside Rodgers. But this is the ideal strategy, in my opinion. Even got a couple stacks mixed in where mm -hmm. he picked off what he believes was the best value at their positions, basically trying to get the top two or three individuals at their respective positions and then going quarterback. And that's kind of my ideal strategy for Superflex, so I don't hate it. Yeah. I like Sweet. That. So glowing responses there. Johnny, did you have anything to add on Don Flick's team or we'll move um on? yeah, no, I, I like the breakdown. The only thing that I if I'm especially this year, I think if I'm going and getting cup, I think I'm going to pay up to get the double dip with Matthew Stafford. I think it's worth it. Um, now, obviously, he couldn't do that because Stafford went, you know, midway through the fourth, and he didn't have that option to to get him instead of Mark Andrews. But if, if like I'm if I'm in a single quarterback league or something like that, I I think I'm going to try to get that double stack because I do think if you're if you're going that far anyway for Cooper Cup, you might as well stack it um, as long as you're not like reaching over a bunch of other guys. But that's the only thing I'd say. All right, moving on to Pizza Belly. He was at the third position here. He went Josh Allen at the 1-3, Deshaun Watson in the seventh, and then Daniel Jones in the 11th. Uh, he went running back heavy in two through five. He went Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery, and James Conner. He followed that up in the sixth with TJ Hawkinson. Um, and then he also got Irv Smith in the 13th. And then at wide receiver, he waited all the way until the eighth round, took Garrett Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Michael Gallup, Alan Lazard, and Rondell Moore. And so, John, when I look at this team, I just think uh, the wide receiver is a little bit scary for me. We're starting three wide receivers. It's a PPR league. I, I don't know if I love that. I mean, I know what he tried to do here and just nail down running back and QB. But what are your thoughts on Pizza Belly's team here? Yeah, he went strong running back. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe nail QB. I'm not sure. But he just went strong running back, essentially. He started uh, – oh, no, Pizza Belly. Yeah, he went robust RB right after Josh Allen. Uh, Deshaun Watson, we still don't know what's up, but he grabbed insurance with Daniel Jones. I already talked about the Giants offense. So, yeah, I don't mind it. I don't think the receivers are the worst options. There are just quite a few question marks between Gallup's injury, uh, Garrett Wilson's surrounding offensive situation with Zach Wilson, who, like, remember – Corey Davis out-targeted out Elijah Moore and their 10 mm -hmm. games together. Like, as much as we love Elijah Moore, that offense, at least from what Zach Wilson showed us last year, can only sustain one wide receiver. If that's not Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson fails, and his right. ADP is wrong, right? So that's kind of my issue in overdrafting Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson right now, even though I, I obviously love both of them as prospects. And then overall, like, Alan Lazard uh, was not a touchdown scorer 
in his career and then to burst for i believe it was eight last year it was pretty insane on just 40 catches out of nowhere and then rondell moore it's the cliff kingsbury offense he's promised us he was going to be used like christian kirk but we're still not sure especially since marquise brown is a slot receiver so i don't right. know where rondell moore rondell moore did succeed in college from the outside but i don't know still where he fits in unless he plays on the outside so um just lots of question marks if we are nitpicking wide receiver i agree with that uh we'll move on here to albert m1218 we've got patrick mahomes at the one four then kirk cousins in the seventh and mac jones in the 12th he went joe mixon in the second uh his next running back was elijah mitchell in the sixth he also got damian pierce the rookie out of uh houston texans in the 11th and then tyler algier another rookie in atlanta in the 13th at wide receiver, he went Tyreek Hill, Deontay Johnson, and Michael Pittman in rounds three, four, and five. He then got Drake London in the eighth, Kadarius Toney in the tenth, um, and at tight end, he got Zach Ertz. I got to say, man, I, I, I love, really I like this like team it. a lot. I think he was yeah, able to kind of diversify uh, the positions throughout it, kind of let the draft come to him. But, John, I'd be interested to, uh, to hear what you think on this. I mean, Kadarius Toney has been one of my favorite later-round guys to snag just based on the – you know, what we were talking about with the Giants, but how do you feel about Albert's team here? Yep, I think it's a solid team all around. Pretty much nailed everything, went with only one tight end. Uh, yeah, there's honestly not much to say because like even a player like Zach Ertz to get value on him from here, because remember, Zach Ertz averaged eight and a half targets per game whenever DeAndre Hopkins missed mm -hmm. last year. Hopkins, of course, is going to miss the first six games of the season. So overall, like, I just think he plucked away on value. He did really yeah, well. Yeah, this is a great, great balance draft. All right, Jay Blizzy is a former Listener League champion of the uh, Whisper Nation here. He took Justin Herbert at 1.5, then Tom Brady in the third. That rounded out QBs for him. He went Devontae Adams in the second, T. Higgins in the fourth, Godwin and Thielen in the sixth and seventh. Took a break and then got Ayuk, Olave, and Boyd in 9, 10, and 11. Uh, at running back, he waited all the way until the eighth. He got Kareem Hunt. Then he got James Robinson and Daryl Henderson um, in the 12th and 13th. Tight end was Darren Waller, then Hunter Henry in the 14th. Johnny, so a little bit weak at running back here, but, I mean, maybe in this format, you're starting three wide receivers, you're, it's a PPR, and you're flexing the other one. Uh, I mean, maybe it's it's going to be all right, but that's kind of – it's real thin at, at running back. I yeah, think it's – Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I, I, yeah, the, the running back is definitely a concern, but, again, it's – You've got pieces that could potentially, you know, they have that upside swing, right? And that if Nick, anything Just happens to Nick Chubb or things like that, uh, Robinson, it will be, I really hoping for him. I hope he gets back, but the Achilles does concern me and again we talked about henderson last week at just how good he is uh without cam maker so you're you're needing something with each of those guys but i think that this you could do a lot with this roster like it's not as incomplete as it may look right now in my opinion it's it a, it's is, scary it's scary for sure but it's it, basically the equivalent of zero rb build right yeah. like that's that's what he went with and that's why every position except one position looks strong uh having said that in a super flex league he is basically guaranteeing he's always flexing outside of their bio weeks herbert or brady like that's yeah. what he's right. banking on and there's nothing wrong with banking on that at all uh brady averaged you know he a career high and pass attempts per game last year 42 also until the postseason like brady was just fine brady averaged 313 yards and three touchdowns every game until he reached the postseason because he didn't have antonio brown 
yeah, Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin. And that's why played then, the goddamn Jets and got me out of the playoffs mm-hmm. in like every yep. league because that's who I was banking on last year. And then only then did he average six yards per attempt. So like, I don't know. even worry about the postseason. Look more for like Brady's eminent MVP campaign and bounce back. So totally fine with this build whatsoever. Um, you're strong, super strong everywhere else except one position. No big deal. He'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Robinson and Henderson. I'm worried about Robinson's injury coming back, but I think he, he's got the right swing at, at running back here. Those are big upside guys for sure. Yeah. Um, and Smitty Seitao drafted from the seventh spot. He got Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson double tapped QB in the first and second. He then went Jim, uh, Javante Williams, Brees Hall in the fifth, Kenneth Walker, or I guess he wants to go by Ken Walker in the eighth and Rashad White in the 11th. Went wide receiver in the fourth with Terry McLaurin. Then again in the sixth and seventh with Marquise Brown, Devonta Smith. He also got Jamison Williams, Jarvis Landry, and Alec Pierce. And is that Davis Mills? Yeah, yeah Davis Mills in the last round here. So, Daigle, how are we feeling about this one? Uh, looks a little bit more um, balanced down the down – the, well, the Dawson Knox one. But how do you feel? I'll let you talk on this one. Yeah, it looks balanced, but – I am just concerned about a lot of the pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, lots of rookies who we don't know if they have direct roles, like Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. Yes, likely starting. Um, but also, like, what happens? Is it truly a committee? Do they earn the job down the road? So he's basically banking on that. He's banking on Javante Williams uh, earning a larger role this year in year two over Melvin Gordon since Melvin Gordon outscored Javante Williams in eight of 16 games together last year, averaged just one more touch per game. So not significant, but Melvin Gordon was still a, a good player for fantasy. So yeah, he's, that's all he's banking on. Lots of question marks. So one of those question marks is I think the the question with Devonta Smith for me, Daigle is, do we believe that Philly will be like the start of the season last year where they wanted to throw a ton or when they turn to a run heavy scheme, do we think that AJ Brown's addition was enough to push them more to a pass you know, at least lean more pass heavy. Obviously we think they'll be more pass heavy than they were last year, but how much so do you think? Since considering they won whenever they weren't passing the ball, I would imagine that's how they, that's how they get there. They still stick with that run heavy scheme. They showed from week six on and Devonta Smith as the best wide receiver on his team last year, only finishes the wide receiver 44 in fantasy points per game. Now he is bar none and the inferior player behind AJ Brown. That's why I really don't like Devontae Smith. Maybe they get pushed into more uptick game scripts and they have no choice but to throw more. And time to time, Devontae Smith gets there. But for redraft, it seems like more of a headache than not trying to figure out when that is. Um, AJ Brown as well to, to finish last year, he was the wide receiver Oh gosh, was it 24 in fantasy points per game? Uh, it slips my mind right now. But either way, in three seasons, he still has never eclipsed 106 targets because the Titans don't feed their wide receivers targets. They don't run that kind of scheme. It's a run-heavy screen with crossing routes. Mm-hmm. And if you're open, great, you get the ball. If not, you don't get the ball. Like they're never going to actually feed a receiver. Even so, though, AJ Brown like bucked that lack of value volume because he's so explosive. That's why I still have faith in AJ Brown as the best player on a run-heavy team because he's already shown us he can do that with Tennessee. Also, Jalen Hurts has been a QB1 in 16 and 19 career starts. Nothing to worry about whether he throws the ball or not. It's still Jalen Hurts rushing for him. Yeah. Jalen Hurts should smash this year uh, regardless. Anthony, 34, was drafting from the eighth spot. He drafted Jamar Chase uh, at 1.8, then Debo Samuel in the third, 
uh, round. He took Elijah Moore in the seventh and Chase Claypool in the ninth. So a little bit thinner than some of the other teams at wide receiver. Let's see what else he did here. He went running back in the second with Dalvin Cook, then Ezekiel Elliott in the fifth, Melvin Gordon in the tenth, and then hit three running backs to close it out in the twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. Naheem Hines, like J.D. It. McKissick, and Raheem Mostert. Uh, at quarterback, he went Dak Prescott in the fourth, uh, J- Justin Fields in the eighth, and Ryan Tannehill in the eleventh. And then at tight end, he went Dallas Goddard. Um, Johnny, initial reaction to this team here? I like this team. I thought it. Was, I think it's really well balanced. I thought it was an interesting strategy to go, but he kind of like let the board just kind of dictate. Uh, and, and and make some moves and then later on in his draft he addressed you know some of his weaknesses by getting you know pass catching running backs in a PPR le- uh, league I think uh, was wise so I like this team overall I don't I wouldn't say it was one of my favorite of I would say top four for me uh, on the day Daigle you agree with that or yeah I like it uh, even for as many question marks as we have about the Bears offense Justin Fields in a not worse than this year, we assume anyways, but still poor situation last year, finished as a QB one in four of his last five games because he averaged seven and a half carries per game. Like he has the rushing juice no matter how much crumbles around him. Mm. And so that's why I still like Justin Fields as a strong QB two given his range. Uh, And then, yeah, he's basically hoping that things fall in his way in pass-catching running backs. J.D. McKissick, the last two years, has been the RB24 and RB44 in fantasy points per game. So, like, I still believe he's a significant value at the end of drafts, whether it be half PPR leagues or full PPR. So, yeah, I I do love getting J.D. McKissick everywhere. Love it. All right, Big Sam, 38, drafted from the ninth spot. He took Austin Eckler at 1.9. Leonard Fournette in the fourth. J.K. Dobbins in the fifth. Chase Edmonds in the eighth and Devin Singletary in the ninth round that closed out his running backs. He went wide receiver in the second with Stefan Diggs, then Mike Evans in the third Deandre Hopkins in the sixth. And then to kind of maybe hedge the, uh, the Hopkins pick here, he went Galladay van Jefferson and Tim Patrick in the 12th, 13th and 14th. Uh, he waited till the 10th to get QB. He got Trevor Lawrence and then Carson Wentz and Dalton Schultz, uh, Mr. Skipping OTAs now uh, in the seventh round here. Daigle, just looking at this, are you okay with how long he waited at QB and just taking the two, basically Trevor Lawrence and Carson Wentz here? Yeah, I am fine with that. It is really late, and we cannot guarantee Carson Wentz only one-year deal, essentially. We cannot guarantee he starts the whole year with Sam Howell in the waiting and basically how poor Carson Wentz has performed the past (laughs) two years. Uh, And so that's my issue, but... Yeah, other than that, I, I think it's just fine, honestly. Very clearly, he is looking to flex running back most likely. I like it. All right, we're moving on to Brocal in the 11th spot. He goes Derrick Henry at 111, Najee Harris at 2.2, uh, Gibson in the 4th, and Damian Harris in the 7th, Ronald Jones in the 11th, and Ramondre Stevenson in the 12th. It's a little bit more running back heavy than we've seen so far. Uh, Kyle Pitts in the third, and he waited all the way to the fifth to get wide receiver. Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson back-to-back in the fifth and sixth. Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks in the eighth. Robert Woods in the tenth. Uh, and then at quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa in the ninth. Then Kenny Pickett in the 14th. Um, and we, we've got his tight ends there. So I guess I'll turn it over to the panel here. How are we feeling about this one? Johnny, you go first, and then Daigle. Uh, wrap it, it was 
it's interesting seeing him go, you know, running back upside down here, uh, or running, yeah, just our running back solid basically, or or zero wide receiver until uh, round five. But he picked up Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson. We talked about how we're all really big fans of Allen Robinson this year. Expect big things from him, and Amari Cooper kind of quietly, uh, you know, is falling. And he's a pretty solid uh, wide receiver for fantasy purposes when he's doesn't have targets to, to well even when he did have uh michael gallup and and c lamb to compete for targets but he can he can be one of those guys that is your wide receiver two on most weeks with that ceiling of a wide receiver one um so i i actually think what he did with this team it's not one of those things that i would like want to go into a draft kind of like with this game plan but he i think he pulled it off pretty well like two and Pickett, I think that the, like those aren't those quarterbacks for waiting for so long. They're not even the worst two quarterbacks for a team to start, you know. So that, that was pretty good. I agree. It's another situation where likely banking on flexing a running back. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't necessarily hate it since he has running backs who have proven they can step into workhorse roles with a single injury. I love it. All right, we're going to round out our last draft grade here with Easy Daddy. He drafted from the 12th spot. He took Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts on the turn at, at 112 and 2-1. He also got Matt Ryan in the ninth to round out his QBs. Uh, in the third, he went with Jalen Waddle, then Mike Williams in the sixth, and Gabe Davis in the seventh. Uh, in the 11th, 12th, and 13th, he went Christian Kirk, Russell Gage, and Jacoby Myers. Um, at, yeah, at the uh, running back position, you went Josh Jacobs in the fifth, CEH in the eighth, James Cook in the tenth, and Daryl Williams, because he must have known Daigle was on here. He drafted the mentor here. Uh, so with this team, Daigle, how, how are we feeling overall construction here? Um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but he took Kittle in the fourth there. But that's uh, that's what we've got for Easy Daddy's team here. Yep. The solo team, basically also more – Running backs with value, uh, nitpicking tiers, only four of them. It's fine, though. James Cook and maybe getting a, a bigger role, even though he never handled more than 12 carries in any game at Georgia. Uh, Daryl Williams is a great pick, the same reason people were, for whatever reason, picking Keontae Ingram, you know, Benjamin behind James Conner before Williams signed, since Conner has never played a full season in his entire career. So, yeah, I, I don't hate the strategy at all. Started strong quarterback because it is super flex. That's the way a lot of people go. So, I don't hate it. Perfect. Well, we loved drafting with you, John. Yeah, this man. Absolute pleasure. Let the people know where they can find you and what you're working on these days. At not Jay Daigle on Twitter. Uh, was it the best idea in 2011? <laughs> now a decade ago to try to stay anonymous? Probably not, but that's the way I typically live life. So <laughs> that's it. the way it is. So you can find me at not Jay Daigle. Also at 44.com right now, we have our hub of underdog content, whether it be projections, rankings. I am completing my tiers. Wide receivers will go live tonight. My top 96 wide receivers explaining why I think they should be drafted in that range. Also tight ends the following day. And then hopefully all that defloating, defaulting exploit, default exploiting default ADP content by the end of the week for you. And from then, yeah, I'll just jump into team previews and redraft content. But right now that's where you can find us. Also subscribe to the most accurate podcast on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, because that's where all the football content audio wise is happening right now. Also, gentlemen, thanks for having me. And if you'd mm -hmm. like me back for the, you're probably already booked, but 
for the draft marathon. Uh, let me know. I bet I can squeeze in this year. Yeah, oh, awesome. Sure. No, yeah, we'd love, we'd love yeah. to have you back on, and for sure, we'll probably get you on uh, regularly this year if we can have you. I know we're everybody's busy doing their stuff, but this was an absolute blast. And I know, just selfishly, we love having you on and picking yeah. your brain. But Whisper Nation, I'm sure, got a uh, a ton of great value in this draft as well. So for John Daigle, for Johnny Game Time Hicks, I'm Big Travi. We're the Fantasy Whispers. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. I honestly thought the not John Bagel thing was because somebody else owned your your handle. Well, it was. And then I also attempted to uh, offer that person